Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Marin County Board of Supervisors meeting for August 8th, 2023. As you notice, Supervisor Rice and Supervisor President Moulton Peters are both away today. They will not be joining us. So they just have three of us today, and that's why there's no consent calendar B on the agenda, because it takes four votes for consent calendar B. If we could have instructions and then roll call, please, for how to participate in the meeting. Here. 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 By landline, you will hear that you are unmuted. That concludes the instructions, and I will pass the meeting back to Vice President Rodoni. Thank you. <clears throat> First item on the agenda is open time for public expression. We welcome um, members of the audience first here in the chamber. Thank Good morning. Uh, my name is Ann Devera Rosenfeld, and I'm with Mill from Mill Valley. Today I'm going to speak on the debacle at 825 Drake Avenue in Marin City. I am appalled that the developer has been allowed by the county to proceed with demolition work on 825 Drake against the wishes of the Marin City Community Services District and the Marin City community. And it appears that this demolition work was shabbily done. No notice to neighbors, no posting of permits on the property, no shoring of adjacent structures such as the stairway to the senior housing at a doudoir, unchecked hazardous dust, debris that was not carted away immediately as required, use of non-contract labor, violation of community noise and traffic control ordinances. The list goes on and on. To add fuel to the fire, the developer started the demolition on the birthday of Emmett Till. Either the developer is tone deaf or did the developer take this opportunity to show his disdain for the residents of Marin City? In any case, this is a good indication of just how much this developer ca cares about the health, safety, and quality of life of Marin City residents. Today, I thought it was today, you are going behind closed doors to discuss the lawsuit. Please undo this debacle. Settle the lawsuit in favor of Save Our City and admit that you were wrong to vote for the bond funding, as some of you have admitted privately. Admit that you got the wrong advice from the, general, from the county general counsel. Admit that the community development agency was wrong to give the green light to this development without doing adequate due diligence. Please don't continue to perpetuate the institutional racism that has caused the social and economic disparities in Marin City. Listen to Marin City residents and use your power to right this wrong now before it is too late. Thank you. Hi, good morning, Marguerite Moriarty um, from Save Our City, um, 825 Drake Avenue. The harm and trauma caused to seniors living at Odudawa and the Marin City community during the demolition last week at 825 Drake Avenue will forever be seared in their memories, much like other injustices over the last 80 years. Caleb Roop of the Pacific Companies knows this is an issue of racial justice, heart, and self-determination. The demolition started with no permits and numerous other violations, unnecessarily destroying a 100-year-old redwood tree 
just because SB 35 says you can is at very least unkind and reckless. This tree removal causes erosion, mudslides, and flooding risk factors, which are already inherent in this property. Some of this board was present at the Juneteenth breakfast. Pastor Leggett mentioned at that breakfast that Donald Trump had done something to help African Americans. People were confused. Pastor Leggett explained that Donald Trump, with all due respect to the ex-president, wanted to have a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Juneteenth, close to the Black Wall Street. His campaign folks recommended that he not do that. Did Caleb Roop not have anyone on his team to suggest to him, do not deliver that massive buccaneer equipment on Emmett Till's birthday? I stood there on that property on the night of that Emmett Till's birthday after Biden had had two monuments erected in his honor. It just is plain like the original uh, developer. I'm asking that this Board of Supervisors settle this lawsuit. The Board of Supervisors can admit it made a mistake, just like the lights on Drake Avenue. Can you wrap it, up, wrap it up, please? Thank you. Pardon me? Can you wrap it up, please? Thank you. Yes, I'm going to. My leg, I'm so, anyway, let's begin again. Allow Marin City the dignity to decide what will be developed on one of the last pieces of land in their community. They've been. Thank you. That's all. Thank you. You're over by a half a minute already, so I'm giving you 30 seconds. Me gustaría hablar en español. Sí. Rodrigo Izquierdo. Señor Rodrigo Izquierdo. Señor Rodrigo, ¿me escucha? En mi nombre es Anabela. Voy a ser una de sus intérpretes. Le pido que, por favor, después de una o dos oraciones, haga una pausa para permitir la interpretación de lo que usted vaya a decir al español. Si sería tan amable. Okay, go ahead. I think she's giving you instructions. Me know? Yeah. Bueno. Buenos días, Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Marin. Good morning, Board of Supervisors of the Marin County. Me gustaría decirte que tu mundo, tal como lo conoces pronto, estará cambiando. I'd like to start by saying that the world, as you know it, it will soon be changing. De hecho, cambiará. Proximo año. In fact, it will change next year. Cambiará cuando se vayan dos personas. It will change when two people leave. Será cuando la supervisora Rice y el administrador del condado Jaimo se retiran. It will be when Supervisor Katie Rice and County Administrator Matthew Jaimo will retire. Entonces puede volver a ocurrir algo menos de un milagro. And then something short of a miracle might happen. La primera vez que sucedió fue en 1952. The first time it happened was in 1952. Cuando Vera Schultz fue 
elegida como la primera mujer supervisora en el condado de Marin. Um, this happened, the first time this happened was in 1952 when Vera Schultz was uh, uh, elected as the first female uh, supervisor for the county. He hecho uno de los dos únicos para todo el estado de California. Actually, one in two in the whole state of California. Este segundo evento será monumental cuando el primer hombre afroamericano puede ser elegido como supervisor del condado. And the second event, uh, and this will be a massive monumental event, is when the first African-American man uh, gets elected as a board supervisor. Me parece irónico que reemplace al super, supervisor Rice. I think it's ironic that that will super, um, uh, replace Supervisor Rice. Quien creo que es conservador y que no apoyó que Marín fuera un condado santuario. Uh, and I think that was very conservative that uh, they did not agree that Marin were a sanctuary county. Con suerte, con este nuevo cambio en el liberazgo, será una señal de bienvenida al, a los latinos del condado. Uh, luckily, uh, this uh, new change in leadership will be a signal that will be welcomed by all the Latinos in this county. Y de ellos también tienen la oportunidad de competir por un puesto en el con condado. Uh, they should also have, have the opportunity to compete for one seat in the uh, county uh, supervisor board. Espero y rizo para que ese día sea el tercer milagro para nuestros 41 millones latinos en este condado dispar. Um, I hope and I pray this will be the third miracle uh, for the 41 million Latinos in this uh, country. Latino, uh, 41. Thank you, Rodrigo. Your time, your time is up. Uh, that's, uh, that's not according to your rules. I'm a, uh, you know, when you have a tr uh, translator, I'm entitled to two minutes of my speaking. She uses her time for something else. That, that's correct. You're over two minutes and 50 seconds already. Uh, You're more I'm than I'm entitled double. to four minutes. You have over 400, four minutes and 57 seconds already. So thank I you. I have three minutes right here. Okay. Entonces, that's over, over okay. three minutes, Rodrigo. Entonces, no me mas, uh, Thank you. So you will take my rights. Thank you. Thanks to the translator. Would a point raised related comment acceptable at this time? Um, anything that's not on the agenda right now, so yes. Okay. I find it concerning that Marin Agricultural Land Trust is actively getting involved in the management of the land in Point Reyes. Given Point Reyes is technically federal land, whereas 
Marin Agricultural Land Trust's mission is to give A60 status to county agricultural land. And I also find it concerning that Malt has a Point Reyes National Seashore Land rancher, Tim Kehoe, on their board when Tim Kehoe's personal interest is beyond the strict mission of Malt. And, and ultimately, I feel like point, the land management of Point Reyes National Seashore is not something Malt should be taking a position in, on or getting involved in at this time. And I just wanted to voice my concerns about their being involved. Thank you. Anyone else in the chamber, please, come on up. Thank you. I, I apologize for appearing uh, before you a little out of breath. Um, I felt it was important to show up in person today uh, to, to talk, to appear here in person um, about the death of Jimmy Sanders. As you know, I came before your board many times um, to describe the plight of this elderly black disabled man who was, whose RV was seized and he was remanded into your, uh, the county's deadly police-run homeless internment camp um, where he became so sick that he ended up in a cardiac ICU. Um, I was assured at that point, because I had to go looking for him, because apparently um, the city of San Rafael had no idea where he was at that point. I got calls from people within that internment camp, and they said he's missing, and uh, Officer Murphy has no idea where he is, and she's freaking out. I called hospitals. I, I called various, I hate to say it, various coroner's offices. I just was scared. I finally found him in a, in a cardiac ICU. And... I was assured at that point uh, by, the, um, by both the county and the city of San Rafael that, that I could back off and that he would be taken care of, he would be housed. And instead, I later found out he was taken straight out of ICU and put back in that SSA. I subsequently came back to you many, many times and said, as you know, Supervisor Rizzoni, I said, Jimmy is still unhoused. These storms are relentless. He's an elderly man. Um, he needs to be housed, and he was not resistant at all to being housed, and since his voucher, they let his voucher expire, they housed a bunch of healthier uh, white people, I hate to say it, um, and they, they, uh, they, they left him out there, and uh, he was not at all resistant to a, a hotel or a motel room. There was plenty of money to do that, and yet he was exposed in these storms. And I went to see him in the winter, and it was, it was horrifying. And I came to you so many times. Sean Stevens, who's your county veterans coordinator, sent me, uh, re you know, repeatedly sent me messages saying, like, it's okay, I'm handling this. It's okay, back off. He died uh, two Saturdays ago um, his, uh, at 3.34 in the afternoon in the hospital. According to hospital staff, his hemoglobin was at one, which I, I find astounding. Um, this didn't have to happen. Jimmy had a lot to live for. Uh, he was a, he, you know, he, he didn't need to suffer this much. 
And I just would like an investigation of that SSA. I don't know if I'm over time, sorry. I would like an investigation of the SSA, but I also like an investigation of why so many people got housed before Jimmy, because he, especially after he went into the ICU, he really needed proper housing, or even just a hotel room. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else in the chamber? All right, we'll go online now. Thank you. The first speaker is Barbara Rothkrug. Please unmute. Good morning. My name is Barbara Rothkrug. I live in Mill Valley. I am here to talk about 825 Drake, which I oppose. Through a loophole, unincorporated Marin City, which has more public and subsidized housing than anywhere else in Marin County, has been saddled with the proposed and permitted 825 Drake building. The proposed 74-unit building is gigantic in scale for Marin City. It has no patios, central meeting places, or outdoor areas. People who need affordable housing deserve a pleasant place to live, just like everyone else. Nor could a typical Marin City resident afford the proposed rents. Next speaker, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I? Am I? I'm not done yet. Proceed. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. You still have 50 seconds. Um, Marin City residents formed a coalition called Save Our City. They feel that the proposal, according to one pastor, is a rape of their community. They say they'll work with other people to build more affordable housing units. The developer says he wants to work with Save Our City, but they feel rightfully betrayed by last week's demolition. The Board of Supervisors accepted 825 as a given. That was a mistake. It needs to be reversed. Uh, the Board of Supervisors needs to buy the land and work with Save Our City to use it as the community desires. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. CNN, widely acknowledged to be in the left-wing camp of the Democrat Party and highly supportive of Biden's war in Ukraine, had to reveal the results of its poll on the public's decided lack of support for further involvement in the conflict. What surprises is how the support versus lack of support for the war broke down on the ideological spectrum, with strong support for the war coming primarily on the far left of the spectrum in opposition strongest on the right. This contradicts our basic understanding of the political divide, indicating a complete shift in political sensibilities. Why this is happening is not difficult to see if we look through the lens of the dictums that war is the health of the state and power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
the right is woken up to the poisonous influence of the state on culture and society, particularly in the area of maintaining social norms and traditional values. The left, on the other hand, has become intoxicated with the power it has aggregated to itself with the rise of militarism, imperialism, and the police state powers inherent in this, powers that allow them to inflict their so-called progressive notions on a public that is deeply opposed to them. The proxy war in Ukraine is an epic confrontation between these two opposing points of view. The ideologically possessed left appears willing to destroy the world to achieve their victory, while those who care for humanity as it is all across the world pray for their defeat. Thank you. The next speaker is called, excuse me, uh, the next speaker is 352533. Please unmute. Speaker, it looks like you're unmuted, but we can't hear you. Please check your mic. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, there you are. I'm sorry, yes. <clears throat> this is Rebecca Helsel. I'm gathering myself. We cannot continue to tolerate the exploitation of the vulnerable in our own backyard. Since World War II, when their ancestors worked in the shipyards, uh, Marin City has had no voice and been dictated to. Freedom and the American dream is what they came here for and instead found the antebellum South. In 2023, 20, it is clear this pattern continues with the development of 825 Drake not listening to residents and not considering the values of their value of their lives. Despite the known dangers of flood and fire risk and what they hold for an already dense community, despite the low incomes and the plentiful affordable housing already there, despite taking away knowingly all the life from senior existing senior residents <coughs> facility and so much more. Excuse me. Though not enough, again, not to listen. And I'd like to talk for a minute, a second, about the tax uh, payer perspective. In addition to not listening to the residents saying they don't want this travesty in their backyard, $1.8 million was given to this developer along with a $40 million bond and a minimum of 25 vouchers. And this is the handout system that Luke's partner insisted that the residents were looking for. <clears throat> Who's really getting the handouts? Multi-millionaires at the Pacific Company in Idaho. Thank you. The next speaker is Jonathan Freeman. Please unmute. Good morning. This is Chicken Little with yet another cause which needs immediate action. We should enact an ordinance which regulates the use of e-bikes for individuals under 21. There are too many teens riding around on e-bikes at high speed, not wearing a helmet. And the anecdotal stories of accidents and injuries are starting to approach data. 
Now, I'm a co-founder of e-bike access, which advocates for e-bike access for everybody on Mount Tam lands. Everyone on our board is over 60 and white. We're all concerned. First, the bike. The regulation ought to admit those, limit those under 18 to a class one top speed of 20 miles an hour. But I go a step further, you can only drive as fast as your age. If you're 15, 15 miles an hour. 18, 18 miles an hour. We ought to do that for cars too, by the way. I, I'm 70. Anyway, back to uh, saving the world. Mandate and the wearing of helmets on said bikes. And I think we ought to allow citizen arrest and put into a Marin County app the ability for those over 21 to arrest, detain, and cite those under 21 for going too fast on an e-bike and or for not wearing a helmet. Now, I expect that in uh, Marin, e-bike riding drops off dramatically after 15 when these young people can drive cars. So we should also mandate that the bikes not be easily jerry-rigged so these young scofflaws cannot detest the governor on the bike. California law already says anyone under 16 can't operate a class 3 28-mile-an-hour bike. There's a state law not being considered, which will say that anyone under 12 can't ride an e-bike. That doesn't go far enough. Marin County, class one bikes only up to age 21. Helmets for all. Let's save lives. Thank you. The next speaker is Nancy Carlson. Please unmute. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to say today that the county's support of the uh, development proposed for 825 Drake <clears throat> is disrespectful of the residents in Marin City. You all know the details. Uh, you all know that uh, the small city of Marin City has a small population and a small landmass, and yet has the bulk of housing, affordable housing, in Marin County. The affordable housing, supposed affordable housing being proposed, not only is what is too large for the site, although that is a typical complaint, but it is not meant for the people in Marin City. It's meant as a gentrifying complex. The, uh, the, the affordability is based on the median income in Marin County and not the median income in Marin City. Marin City needs more parks and services. They need uh, more than one way in and out. They need flood control. There's a lot of things Marin City needs, but they do not need a developer to come in and put in something that doesn't fit, that will take all the light from the affordable senior housing behind it, and that will be dangerous for the park, the one park, public park that Marin City has across the street. Please don't support this project in any way. Thank you. Vice President Rodoni, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Thank you, Al going to bring it back to the board now for item two, which is Board of Supervisors Matters and Informational Updates, and then we'll go to the Administrator's Report. Supervisor Sackett, would you like to start? 
Sure, thank you so much. So just a couple of updates. Um, last week we had National Night Out um, and had the opportunity to visit a number of our communities for a fun gathering with um, Sheriff's Department, San Rafael Police, um, and many others just having fun and gathering in the community. Um, my team and I went to the, the Terra Linda Neighborhood Association, Contempo Marin, Santa Venetia Neighborhood Association, and the Lincoln Neighborhood Group. Um, and I'm pleased that one of the um, residents that we met, um, Sabine, came to visit Shadow for today. So if anybody um, has a moment to say hello to her, she's back here um, and just um, interested in government. That was a really fun, it's nice to do the fun things in the community. Um, on Sunday, I joined Supervisor Rodoni um, in the morning to meet with um, allies of immigration and to discuss and support their immigration walk in support of H.R. 1511, which um, is looking to extend the cutoff date that was set in 1972 for folks who have been in the country um, and otherwise eligible for folks who have been here for over seven years. So there's a lot of energy behind that and um, um, looking for, for reform of our immigration system. And then on uh, Thursday, we had the opportunity to host in this um, chambers, the Alzheimer's Association event. Um, with Assemblymember Connolly and a panel of speakers from the Public Authority, the Aging Action Initiative, um, our Commission on Aging, Jewish and Family Ch Children's Services, Vivalon, and many others. Um, in particular, the keynote speaker was from the Alzheimer's Association really talking about the latest um, medication regimens and sort of prevention and preparation. Um, so it was a very well attended um, opportunity to talk about um, our community. Um, and when we get to the consent calendar, um, I'd like to comment on that as well. Thanks. Very good. Supervisor Lucan. Uh, thank you. Just a couple quick updates. Uh, the week before last, uh, Supervisor Sackett and I uh, completed, wrapped up, officially graduated from the New Supervisors Institute put on by CSAC. So we are we are officially no longer new supervisors, I guess. Uh, but it was uh, glad to good to complete that uh, and uh, interact with colleagues uh, from across the state. Um, also uh, participate in National Night Out uh, in the Belmarine Keys neighborhood. I want to thank the Community Services District there as well as our Sheriff and Nevada Fire Protection District for being there and engaging with the community. It was a, a good night out, uh, connecting with the community there. Um, I also got to participate in the annual Black Point Green Point uh, get together, um, and uh, pleased to report that the uh, Green Point won the annual tug of war contest and took home the prize this year. Um, but it was a, a good good gathering out in the Black Point Green Point neighborhood. Uh, finally, last week, along with my colleagues, uh, joined here in the, the chamber for uh, the Career Explorers uh, end of end of program celebration, and it was great to see so many young people with an interest. Uh, in pursuing a career in uh, in public service uh, and the introductions they got to county government through internships. It was really a great program uh, and a huge thank you to our uh, Marine County Probation Department uh, for putting that whole program together along with uh, many other departments uh, that worked on that. Uh, and then lastly, um, want to adjourn in memory of Dominic Bramante. Uh, Dominic Bramante is a longtime Marine County resident and prominent World War II veteran uh, died in his home in Novato on July 24th at the age of 98. 
Uh, Mr. Bermonte served in the Army uh, for three and a half years where he earned the rank of corporal and received several commendations, including the Bronze Star. He was a Veterans of Foreign Wars member for more than 75 years, and just last month, uh, Dominic was in the Nevada Fourth of July Parade and received heartfelt applause and cheers from the crowds. Uh, Mr. Bermonte was born in San Francisco, moved to Marin in 1972. He lived in Terra Linda before settling in Nevada. He's survived by many family members, including children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Uh, he was also a, a regular participant at all of the uh, Veterans Day events, Memorial Day events here uh, at the Civic Center. Um, and um, as, as, as we continue to, to age and move on, you know, we have fewer and fewer World War II veterans uh, still among us. Uh, he was, um, uh, at the age of 98, maybe one of, one of just a handful left here in Marin County. So really want to recognize him and adjourn in his memory today. Thank you. Thank you. And I, too, want to just recognize National Night Out. Uh, my staff and I were able to attend Puerto Madera, Nevada, and Point Reyes Station. With Point Reyes Station, I think, winning the prizes, they had over 500 people attend out there, and it was quite entertaining, including some of the local rangers filling in for the band that didn't show up. So <laughs> it was quite exciting. Um, I'd like to adjourn in memory today uh, for John Ortega, a community organizer and activist in the Canal neighborhood of San Rafael for decades. Uh, John died on July 29th at a hospital in Fresno. He was 93 years old. Mr. Ortega was born in Fresno in 1930. He moved to San Rafael in the 1960s and quickly became involved in the community. He worked as a labor organizer for the United Farm Workers and helped to register Latino voters in the Canal neighborhood. He was also a founding member of the Canal Neighborhood Council and served as president for many years. Mr. Ortega was a tireless advocate for the Canal neighborhood. He fought for better housing, education, job opportunities for residents. He also was a strong supporter of the arts and helped create the Canal Arts Center. Mr. Ortega was a beloved figure in the Canal. He was known for his warm smile, sense of humor, his dedicated to help, de dedication to helping others. He will be deeply missed by his family, friends, and community. John Ortega was a true inspiration to many people. He'll be remembered for his dedication to helping others and his commitment to making the Canal neighborhood a better place. He will be missed. Thank you. All right, going to go to the administrator's report now. Good morning, supervisors. Just a few uh, adjustments to our agenda. At the request of Public Works, we are removing item 6A. CA6E and CA6I uh, from the consent calendar agenda. Secondly, I wanted to point out that we did have some online corrections to the district breakdowns of the Youth Commission, uh, but it doesn't change the recommendations of the individuals that are before you. Um, and then lastly, uh, I'm going to invite Lily Thomas from Community Development Agency up here uh, as your board may recall, one of the follow-up items to our budget hearings uh, was the how we transition the remaining uh, COVID relief rental assistance funds that are now running out. Um, at the last day of the budget hearing, Supervisor Redoni uh, suggested us looking at the COVID relief reserve of $1.3 million. And so we have worked on some scenarios that we wanted to give you a status report on and then we can return to your board for formal action. There are no actions that, that this is just an informational status report. So I'll turn it over to Lili for the update. 
Thank you, Matthew. Good morning, board members. Lily Thomas with the Community Development Agency. And as you know, the County of Marin received and administered uh, an emergency rental assistance uh, fund in response to the COVID-19 pandemic of uh, a little over $26 million. And um, last fall in October, your board approved a contract with Community Action Marin to administer the remaining funds of a little over $7.9 million um, to administer the rental assistance and some um, housing stability services on our behalf. Um, and together, these funds have served uh, over 5,500 households, the majority of whom were extremely low income which means that they were making about $50,000 or less than $50,000 for a family of three. And these funds uh, stabilized existing renters, prevented eviction and homelessness among some of Marin's most vulnerable families who were impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and as Matthew mentioned, we want to go through a number of scenarios related to um, where CAM is at now. So CAM closed the wait list as of August 1st, and there are uh, currently 463 people on that wait list. And of those um, applications, 403, so the majority of them are households who are extremely low income. And of those, 123 also have an eviction notice of those 100 of those um, extremely low-income households and are at risk of, of losing their housing. Um, as of August 1st, we have about $885,000 of unobligated funds available to serve them. And on average, we're, we're paying about three months of rent, which is about $6,000. So, um, which means that we don't have enough, bottom line is we don't have enough funds to serve all the households who are currently on the wait list. So without any additional funds, we can fund about 147 of those applications. We will prioritize um, extremely low income who are also um, at risk of eviction. But a number of the households uh, will not be served. The second scenario is if we added an additional 650,000 um, of funding to that pot, um, we can fund 255 of the applications. Um, and so that would include all of the people who currently have a, an eviction notice. Um, or there's a, a couple of different ways that we're looking at this. Um, options that we've explored with Community Action Marin. Um, and we could also um, reopen the wait list and only serve households who have an eviction notice um, and, and just use this program as an eviction prevention, um, meaning that uh, additional households would be getting on the wait list only if they were, were eligible and had an had a, um, outstanding eviction. Um, but again, not all of the households would be able to be served. And then in the final scenario, if we added an additional 1.3 million, um, uh, we can fund 364 applications. So that would mean all of the applications who currently have an eviction notice and the majority of the households who are um, 
extremely low income, so 241 of those 280. So we'd like to hear from you about your opinions and your 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 direction on this. And if if you so direct us, we could come back next week with a with a draft contract to add additional funds. Um, otherwise, we'll just continue the program and uh, and serve the households who are are current. Uh, you know, we're currently able to serve. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Questions of Lily? Yeah, go ahead, there. Um, how, how are we defining an eviction notice? Is that is that a formal notice? Is that can you maybe just give me a few more details on that? Yeah, so it's somebody who has received an, a formal eviction notice, uh, an unlawful an eviction notice saying that they have to pay or quit. So that so in that case, the landlord has started the eviction process, or is it literally just a letter from the landlord saying they you will be evicted it. if you don't, you know? Yeah, they haven't entered the unlawful detainer. They haven't entered the court. Not all of them have entered the court process. They just have to have had a letter saying that if you don't pay by X date, you, your housing will be, okay. you will be evicted. Okay. So they haven't necessarily gone into the three-day notice and the court system yet. Gotcha. Okay, thank you. It's the, it's the definition. It's kind of the broader definition of, of eviction rather than the more specific unlawful detainer. Okay, thank you. Larry, anything? Can you speak to, who, I mean, I understand the 30% AMI, but I'm also trying to reconcile that with the remainder of COVID relief funds. And are we, into kind of who are we serving? And is it rent that's a result of um, COVID? Or is it a more broader, you know, reflection of what's going on in the market today? Um, if you know. Yeah, we, we talked to Community Action Marina. I don't know if they're online or not, and we may be able to hear from them um, a little bit more later. But, you know, I think that it's both, right? So many households who were very low income, um, it's the, the pandemic impacts are still impacting them today, right? If you are, were barely making it, paying 50% plus of your income, as many of our uh, extremely low income households are, any loss of income takes a really long time to dig out of. And so those impacts are still in effect today, right? Be from losing income for a period of time, from being out sick, from you know other impacts of the pandemic. So it's a little hard to parse exactly whether they had them, but given that people are living in a pretty precarious situation, any small impact can have a long, a long, long, a, a long effect on, on households, so. Great, thank you, Libby, and thank you for the update. Um, question I had was under scenario three, we can fund all 364 applications with that yes, funding? Yes, okay. we can fund 364 applications. And again, this is about an estimate based on the average that we're doing of $6,000, and some of them are less and some of them are more than that. Okay. That's approximately 86% of the wait list okay. supervisor. Very good, thank you. Yeah. And scenario two, do you have a percentage for that, Matthew? So, let's see. Scenario two, 148 out of... 
the math guy, I'll let him do that. <laughs> it approximately, approximately 60 percent okay. would be funded. Uh, yeah. On the scenario, too, um, we, we were talking this morning, we probably, if we were only going to fund half the wait list, we probably would be looking for the prioritizing those with eviction notices if we were only going to fund half of the so so we'll we'll present uh, you know all three options but uh, probably our staff recommendation if you were going to do the 650 would be to target it toward the, uh, those with eviction notices yeah very good i i just know we've heard there's a terrible need out there continued need and um i think that this is a great use of of one-time funding from the federal government that's why i recommended the full amount be shifted to the rental assistance program i'm comfortable with scenario two if the board decides to go that way, but I do think it's a very effective program. I don't know another program that we actually hit this many households with a, with a program and benefit this many households. So I really like that these dollars really have an impact on the street, and that's really why I'm, I'm in favor of really scenari scenario three, but um, certainly we'll wait till you come back with a recommendation, and uh, thank you for the presentation. Any other comments? Any? Um, I, I guess, you know, sitting here now, I am inclined to go with scenario two, option B, um, which would be to fund those who have an eviction notice um, currently and then also take a look at anybody else who's on the waiting list who may have received an eviction notice since then and open it to anybody who has an eviction notice. Um, And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think we got our direction to come mm -hmm. back. Um, okay. And, you know, as I said, we weren't asking for uh, a decision today, but just feedback whether you want us to return with the options. And it sounds like there's enough interest for us to return with those options. And so we'll prepare that staff report and be back to you um, next Tuesday. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Any okay. Thank you. So we're going to go to comments on the administrator's report and or the Board of Supervisor matters. I apologize for not being better prepared in my remarks today, but I did want to uh, remind the supervisors that I'm still running into problems getting any accountability on the Sheriff Civilian Oversight Working Group. Um, this was a 15-member uh, group that was selected by the county administrator. It specifically restricted any black residents um, of Marin City, and it specifically restricted any working-class Latinos at all, um, let alone from the Canal or West Marin. Um, I have uh, run a bunch of CPRAs. Um, looking for materials, explaining how the nomination process worked. I have to tell you that I'm extremely disappointed with um, nonprofits who were linked to this. There was an enormous amount of conflict of interest. Charlie Drezzo of Raganti Fridas received a two-year, $3.4 million contract. He was on the Sheriff Civilian Oversight Working Group. He got that contract five hours, approximately five hours before you accepted the very weak proposals from the working group. That is not even close to describing the extent of the conflicts of interest. A month ago, I contacted, over a month ago, I contacted uh, Heidi Merchant, who was on the working group. She was one of the leads. She presented here um, on, 
you know, when, when you had the final proposals. And she appears to live at the same address and have the same last name as Mike Merchant, who is the uh, assistant uh, sheriff in Sonoma County. And if I understand it correctly, he runs that deadly Sonoma County jail. The abuses in that jail are uh, uh, extraordinary. I mean, they make our jail look tame by comparison. Uh, there was never any disclosure of that. Um, and what happened instead is you got a big whitewash from groups like Marin Surge. We just heard from a Re Rebecca Helzel, who's an organizer with Surge, and she whitewashed the process. Everyone whitewashed the process, and I'm stuck here still trying to get answers. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else in the chamber, please? This is on Board of Supervisors Matters and or Administrator's Report. Thank you. Okay. I wanted to just uh, add to what uh, Ms. Crisanti said, and that is that the Marin Human Rights Commission, the vice uh, chair, said that they could not be on this sheriff's oversight committee because it was a conflict of interest. But now, all of a sudden, they are both... Uh, not only is Curtis Aikens on it, but Jeremy Porger is on it. It's contrary to what they said. They themselves said it would be a conflict of interest, but they're on it. And then also Porger's lawyer is on it. You have three people who have their own interest in on this, this um, board, and you have none from the canal area and Marin City, how can you call that a something that is reflective of the community? It's a farce. You know it. It's, it's not going to fly. It's not going to pass. You have to start all over again. Thank you. Anyone else in the chamber? All right. Online, please, Al. The first speaker is Glenn Smith. Please unmute. Once again, we are witnessing the impact of the mindless and I think totally disregarding of others' behavior of the Board of Supervisors to impose these economic lockdowns on the people of the county and how they have economically most affected people who are marginal economically marginal. They have been the people most disproportionately affected. Uh, the people in the upper middle class were able to cruise by. They could work at home. Instead, what you did, you denied employment to people who absolutely need that employment just to survive, who have no savings. And you did this consciously I cannot believe that you were not aware of how this was going to harm people. And now we are once again in the wake of the harm that this uh, Operation COVID you dived into so willingly, uh, the consequences, the negative impacts it's had on so many people in the county. And here you are now having to pay their rent. And I hope this is a warning in the future I hope you take it to heart that when the feds and all of those idiots in Washington, those grifters 
on the public purse uh, come uh, demanding and you and offering you financial assistance and incentives to adopt these kinds of policies, we do the county a favor and reject them. Thank you. Vice President Rodoni, there are no additional speakers in the queue. All right, thank you. We're going to come back to item three now, which is the consent calendar. I know Supervisor Sackett, you wanted to make a comment about one, and then we'll go on with asking if anyone wants to pull an item. Want to take a moment to recognize um, National Health Center Week, which Supervisor uh, Lucan and I um, have have signed a resolution, which is CA1C, and just recognize um, how much our health centers provide for our most vulnerable population and really the staff that are mission driven and working to protect our community. And I think we have a couple folks here who will be speak to that as well. So just wanted to take a moment. Very good. Does anyone need to pull an item off the consent calendar? I'm seeing no suggestion to pull anything. I'm going to open it up for public comment on the consent calendar first. Welcome, Max. Thank you, Supervisor Radoni, and thank you to Supervisor Sackett and Lucan uh, for your support on uh, C3, uh, National Health Center Week. Happy National Health Center Week, uh, August 6th through 12th uh, every year. Uh, this is an opportunity uh, for us as a country to acknowledge the great work uh, that our community health centers are doing in our communities. Uh, here in Marin, uh, we're very grateful to have four uh, FQHCs, federally qualified health centers uh, that work in great partnership with Health and Human Services. And I see uh, Benita McLaren is, is in the audience. So thank you, uh, Benita, for your partnership and continued work with us. Uh, 44,000 patients. Uh, were served last year at community health centers in Marin. Uh, that's about 32,000 on Medi-Cal. Folks, 138% uh, of the poverty uh, line and below. Uh, about 6,000 uh, patients uh, were uninsured. Uh, there's still a gap there. Uh, we're hoping to fill that uh, with Health for All uh, when undocumented immigrants are eligible for Medi-Cal uh, starting in January as well. Uh, but there's still some folks uh, being served who are uninsured as well. So thank you so much, uh, and thank you for the partnership. Good morning, board members. Benita McLaren, Director of Health and Human Services. I also want to just recognize our um, National Health Center Week and just uh, thank all the many health centers who do tremendous work supporting our communities. I had my um, uh, early career in government, in uh, county government, in health centers, and I know how, as Max Bennett, how dedicated the staff are and committed to the mission, and I want to thank each and every one that works at a health center for their great work and keeping our communities healthy and safe. And so congratulations to all the health centers in Marin and around the country. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else in the chamber on consent calendar A? All right, go online now. The first speaker is Glenn Smith. He's on mute. This regards uh, CA3, which brings up um, an opportunity to talk about questions of economic justice. It revives uh, here your uh, long neglected controversy uh, concerning the injustice of that is inherent in maintaining uh, the defined benefit plans 
the public and government employees, particularly new hires, something that is not available to any people working in the public sector or virtually hardly any people any longer working in the public sector, in the private sector. Uh, this uh, paradigm of economic volatility we're currently living in and will probably live forever and going forward should point to why government workers should join in fairness the rest of the country's workforce by adopting, instead of the existing uh, defined benefit plans, the defined contribution pension plans that the rest of us um, are uh, consigned to, um, and to learn uh, what it is uh, to fend for yourself like the rest of us have had to do. That would only be fair. And I hope this person that you're um, appointing to uh, this position uh, on the Deferred Compensation Advisory Committee uh, will take this to heart and will not be um, deaf to the concerns of those of us that feel that government workers are getting an awfully sweet deal that the rest of us are not allowed to enjoy. Thank you. Vice President Rodani, there are no additional speakers in the room. Thank you. We have one more in the chamber. Thank you. I would just like to note CA5 uh, probation um, request to authorize the president to execute an agreement with Family Spring Psychology in the amount of 60K to provide youth treatment services at the Marin County Juvenile Hall. I just want to take the opportunity to uh, remind um, people in the county that probation is an ever growing. Uh, Entity and it's it's reaching its its arms out into nonprofits that you really wouldn't imagine. Um, in January, uh, they gave Multicultural Center of Marin um, 200 and I think it's 262 or 242k um, for uh, some sort of quote unquote justice activities, which include drug screening. Um, this is particularly problematic since we see kind of a partnership with nonprofits also giving money to Multicultural Center of Marin, which is in itself a nonprofit. And so we see money moving out of the public sector and into these private nonprofits, which are even harder to trace. I want to note that after many years of my complaints that Marin Surge was uh, collecting money that it should not have been collecting and keeping to itself, it decided to start giving money to two nonprofits that are very tightly linked to law enforcement. Uh, one of them is Marin County Cooperation Team, and uh, one of them is the Multicultural Center of Marin. And there's been very little investigation, and I want to explain that we don't have a media that actually digs into anything. I was reviewing some of my correspondence with uh, reporter Nikki Silverstein at the Pacific Sun. She sent me uh, an email in November uh, of 2020 indicating uh, she actually wrote verbatim, I don't know what a PRA is in reference to a Public Records Act request. This is what we're dealing with in the county and this is, this is in part why people just don't know what's going on. Thank you. Okay, we're going to bring you back to the board for a motion on this, reminding you that CA6E and 6A6I have been pulled. 
I'll move the adoption of consent um, agenda A with those modifications. Second. It's moved and seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. All right, now we're going to move on to appointments. And the first one is the assessment of the appeals board. I'm waiting for Supervisor Sackett to come back, but she's giving a resolution out. But um, I'd like to make a recommendation here that we actually uh, reappoint the incumbent, Alexander Kugelman, and interview the remaining applicants. That would be my recommendation, and want to hear from other board members. That sounds good to me. Okay. That's agreeable, yes. Would you like to make that motion, one of you? Uh, I'll uh, move to reappoint the incumbent and schedule interviews with the, for the other applicants. Second? Second. And move by Lucan, second by Sackett. All those in favor say aye. 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 Oppose? Abstain? That motion carries. Uh, B is a re uh, recommend recommended action, which is to uh, appoint someone to the Great Redwood Trail Agency, uh, the expiration of the term of James Campbell, and he's reapplied. I'll move that we um, appoint James Campbell, um, the incumbent, to serve on the Great Redwood Trail Agency Board. Second. Moved by Sackett, second by Lugan. We reappoint James Campbell. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Comment? Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped one, too. Was there any public comment on items A or B? I think we heard on a little bit already on A, but... Thank you. I'll try and catch up here. Uh, this next one is the Women's Commission. This is for District 2. We have a departure and we have one recommended applicant. And Supervisor Rice has indicated that would be her choice. I will move the appointment of Laura Anderson to the Women's Commission. Uh, that's the departing I'm, member. I'm sorry. sorry. I will move the um, appointment of Ajao Grass um, to the District 2 seat on the Women's Commission. Second. Moved by Sackett, second by Lucan. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Public aye. comment, please. Sorry. I, I just uh, wanted to remind uh, the supervisors that we have a consistent problem in the county with people uh, appointed to commissions and boards simultaneously. And we saw that a lot in the Sheriff's Civilian Oversight Working Group um, where you had two leads who were also um, from, you know, the chair and the vice chair of the Human Rights Commission. And unfortunately what this, what this does in effect is the county seems to seek out um, certain individuals who will partner with the county, but only with the county and, and sell pretty much the county line. And that's what you saw with um, Curtis Akins and Jeremy Portage, um, both of whom had some pretty close ties with law enforcement that were not disclosed to the public. Um, and obviously I've talked about Heidi Merchant and that also wasn't disclosed, but we're seeing these people repeated on REAP, on Human Rights Commission, on Sheriff Civilian Oversight Working Group, and then it looks like Curtis Akins is, is now getting money from Marin County Cooperation Team because he's, he's part of that. And so this is essentially an anti-democratic structure. Um, instead of, uh, you know, this, this is again a structure that excludes um, black representation from Marin City. 
you know, so you have guys from Novato or, you know, New Jersey, um, but who didn't grow up in Marin City don't really know the community. And you can repeat that for the canal and you can repeat that for West Marin. And I'm just urging you um, to break that, break that bad tradition of, of creating these county insiders who sell the county line, the sheriff's line, um, and, and who don't really challenge, uh, don't really challenge um, the status quo because, you know, Jimmy is dead for a reason. Jimmy Sanders died because nobody challenged the status quo and that's, that should never have happened. Thank you. Thank you. Other comments in the chamber, please. Since you mentioned the women's um, committee, uh, I would like to change um, something for uh, big studies for the county, and that it not studies or big projects not be given to the Human Rights Commission. They have lost all their credibility. It's been infiltrated by people two people who control the entire group, they intimidate all the rest of the commissioners. It's their program. It's been like this ever since they joined up. They were put in there specifically to, to have the county programs. It should be taken away from them. It should be given to someone that's more open like the Women's Committee that has representation from the entire county they have a lot of people there, a lot of participation. The Human Rights Commission does not even have any attendance from the, from the Latino community. It does none from the canal. You know this yourself, Supervisor Rodoni, when they stop attending, it's because they do nothing, no hacen nada. So you should give this, or at least at the very minimum, have it uh, a co uh, cooperation with the Women's Committee and not totally keep using the, the title Marin Human Rights Commission. It is, you know, it's flawed. It, is in, it does not represent the people at all. You should have someone that re does represent the people. It should be the Women's Committee. Why don't you give it to them? They could handle, they could handle it. You know, they could make more meetings. They have enough people to study everything. Thank you. Seeing no one else in the chamber, Al, anyone online for uh, eight or four C? Thank you. Vice President Rodoni, there are no speakers in the queue. Very good. I'm gonna bring it back for a vote now. We have a motion and a second for Ms. Grass. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstain, thank you. That motion carries. The next item is D, and this is the Youth Commission. We have 23 at-large vacancies, and we have over 60 applications. Um, the Youth Commission Institute has made recommendations for the 23 appointments, and those are listed on their letter. Um, Want to open it up for public comment first, please, on the Youth Commission? Thank you. 
Uh, I just wanted to introduce myself really quickly. My name is Sonia Saltzman, and I will be taking over the Youth Commission as the coordinator. So as you mentioned, we did receive 60 applicants this year, uh, which is a record number, and we're super excited to see the engagement. Seven of those are commissioners that are reapplying for reappointment. And so I just wanted to give you a little insight into the process for selecting the individuals that we are recommending. So each individual applicant was given the opportunity to do an interview, and we conducted 73 interviews total over the process of three weeks. Um, we had our nominating committee, which um, consisted of myself, as well as seven other young people who were either former commissioners or returning commissioners. And so kind of the um, review process included taking into account various aspects and criteria. Um, and so things that kind of determined whether or not an individual would be recommended or demonstrated passion for community involvement, leadership potential, and then we especially prioritize diversity of lived experiences, um, identities, and backgrounds. And so we're really happy with the individuals that we have selected to recommend for appointment on the Youth Commission. Um, but I'm here to answer any questions or inquiries regarding our recommendations. Thank you so much. I see we have one other comment online, and we'll get back to you if we have questions. Go ahead, Al. The first speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. When I saw this on the agenda, the first thing that came to my mind, looking at how many people were in these different lists from the different districts, and I suddenly realized I have no idea, and I don't think anyone in this county that I know of has ever heard of the Youth Commission, uh, have any idea what it is, what it does, how these people have come to be selected, who has noticed for this committee, what its agenda is, what it's done in the past, what it plans to do in the future, and um, how much we're paying for it. And so here we have on the agenda uh, another one of these um, uh, projects uh, sort of floating on almost automatic and yet we realize that the youth is the future. Young people will become older people and uh, begin participating in society and participating in its governance. And of course, that brings up the question I also have, which is how much of this commission is actually uh, focused on the um, productive development of the talents of young people and how much of it is actually focused on indoctrination, creating a new generation of county insiders to uh, continue the business as usual that we've uh, come to see in Marin County, which is uh, a kind of business that is doesn't seem to be much in the uh, benefit of the people who live here anymore. So who is this commission? And uh, what are they up to? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to bring you back to the board and offer questions for Sonia. Any questions at this point? Okay. Any recommendation from board members? Uh, so I'd like to move the, the recommendation from the Youth Commission Leadership Institute and the 23 applicants that we would make the appointment uh, to our Youth Commission. And I'm happy to second that. I appreciate, Sonia, you being here today um, to share the process um, and that you did offer everybody an interview and that you had a robust panel to who reviewed those applicants. Um, 
and I'm always excited to see what the youth commissioners bring forward to this board and the work that they do in the community. So thank you, and I'm happy to second the motion. Very good. We have a second, uh, a first and a second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? That motion carries, and those 23 uh, youth are elected to the Youth Commission. Congratulations. All right, so we're now at the end of this morning agenda, so we're going to recess the Board of Supervisors and we will reconvene at 12, 12 o'clock in closed session. But at this time, I wanna take any comment on closed session from the audience here in the, in the chamber and or online. Yes. A question for you, Dennis. Uh, I've been having trouble scheduling another meeting with you ever since your previous assistant left. Uh, so I was just checking back in about that. Thank you. We'll follow up on that. Okay. Thanks for reminding us. Anyone else in the chamber? All right. Anyone else online about the closed session, Al? Vice President Rodoni, there are no speakers in the queue. All right, we're gonna recess now and reconvene at 12 p.m. for a closed session. And then we'll be back at 1.30 for the afternoon session, which is ceremonial. Anything else? All right, thank you. Thank you all for attending today. Are you ready to go? Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Who can whistle? <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to open the afternoon session of the Board of Supervisors, first of all, by announcing there was no action taken in closed session. And it's really exciting to have this event in the chamber today. Um, I wanna thank every employee for an additional year of work. But in particular today, we have some honorees that have worked 20, 25, 30, 35, and even 40 years here at the county, which is really a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. So I wanna thank you all and turn this over to Christina Kramer. Yep, thank you, Supervisor Rodoni. Welcome everyone to this great event. I do wanna note that this event is particularly large this year because we are catching up. Uh, we missed the 2021 honorees because of the COVID pandemic. And so today's uh, 
uh, ceremony and op event honors the 2021 and the 2022 uh, anniversaries. Uh, what we're going to do is just a few housekeep, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, after the recognitions, there will be an opportunity for additional photos in the chambers as well as out in the reception outside. Um, and we are not giving out awards at this at this time because of so many uh, people that we are honoring today. And another sort of uh, modification to get through so many people, those with the 20 and the 25 year anniversaries will be honored. Uh, basically, a PowerPoint presentation will play that will um, have the names of the honorees. And then we'll get into uh, the, the 30 where we have uh, a little bit more personal uh, presentation. So. Um, with that, um, I do want to introduce uh, the 20-year honorees. Uh, these employees started in the year of 2000 and 2002. Also in 2001 um, was space travel and the iPod um, was invented in 2001. In 2002, the Spider-Man trilo trilogy debuted um, along with the movie Ugly Dolls. So without further ado, can we show our 2020 or our 20 year uh, anniversary? Music's not playing. I think I may need uh, a bit more assistance over here if somebody wouldn't mind. Thank you. Pause. Technology pause. Thank you so much. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and just let the PowerPoint play. Um, we did have some music design to go along with it, but uh, let's just go ahead and let it play. Yes.
Okay. Congratulations again to those who have reached uh, 20 years of service. Are we going to ask them? For those of you who are here uh, at, 20 to, at 20 years, could you all stand so we can officially recognize you? We're going to switch over to the 25-year honorees. If you want to tee up that PowerPoint presentation, now would be the time for that. So our 25-year honorees, they started um, working with the county in 1996 for the 20-year, um, for the 2021 uh, class and the 2022 class uh, started in 1997. In 1996, the first Mission Impossible movie debuted, <laughs> and the first flip phone was developed. <laughs> in 1997, Google was registered as a domain name, and Beanie Babies were all the rage. <laughs> so, can we get the 25-year honorees presentation going? Those who have their 25 years, please stand up so we can see you all. department heads, where's the friendly competition here? <laughs> okay, next we're going to get into the 30-year honorees. Um, and for those of you, we are going to actually uh, call your name, say your name, and for those of you who are here, please come up and receive a special appreciation. Uh, okay, uh, go ahead and come on up. And then you can stay up here on the stage, and we'll take a group photo. 
So uh, in the tradition of the 30-year honorees, these honorees started with the county in the years of either 1991 or 1992. In 1991, Home Alone and Silence of the Lambs were some of the big movies. And Nirvana became a popular band. In 1992, the Mall of America, the second largest shopping mall in the United States, opened in Minnesota, and the 10th million cell phone was sold. <laughs> okay, so our 30-year honorees are Lisa Cruz with Health and Human Services. Jennifer De Leon with Health and Human Services. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Wait, wait. Lisa, come back. Picture of each one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come on back over here. There we go. We want one of each. Okay. There we go. Thank you. Great. And uh, little note: you, we'll provide you with photos, right? Yes. Okay. Great. All right. Uh, so we had uh, Jennifer DeLeon with Health and Human Services next. Is she here today? No? Okay. Uh, thank you, Jennifer DeLeon. Next. <laughs> next we have Raquel Geraldez with Health and Human Services. Okay. All right. I don't see her here. Special thank you to Raquel. Next, we have Khan Quinn with Human Resources. Next, we have, well, we are, we would have honored Thomas Lai uh, with Community Development Agency. <laughs> then we have Eric Luter with the Department of Public Works. Do we have John Payne with Marin County Fire? Perez here with Child Support Services. 
No. All right. Well, thank you, Carolyn, with Child Support Services. Christopher Perrine with probation. No. Okay. Thank you, Christopher. Frank Peterson with probation. Thank you. Okay. Uh, how about Jeremy Pierce with Marin County Fire? No? Okay. I have to read this name a little bit closely. Carl Swarensky with Parks. So we're going to do a group photo now if um, we want to take it. Which side? Photographers, you direct them. This is our group photo with 30 years. What the supervisor year honorees. These honorees started with the county in 1986 and 1987. One of my favorite movies, 1986, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Top Gun and the debut of Phantom of the Opera, the play. In 1987, The Simpsons debuted and baby Jessica was re re uh, rescued from the well in Texas, for those of you who remember that. Okay. So, 35 years we go to Sherry Sharmily with Health and Human Services. <laughs> Is Sherry here? Thank, thank you, Sherry. <laughs> Next, we have Frank Giamoa with Public Works. <laughs> then we have Venard Goodman with Public Works. <laughs> James Marino with Public Works. How about Holly Price with District Attorney? There we go. Now we have one. 
So we have, we have one more honoree, um, and that is uh, one individual with 40 years of service. Um, she was not able to attend the event. Um, her name is Deborah Anderson Leva with the Public Defender. She's been with the county since 1982. So we want to thank Deborah for her service and dedication, and sorry that she can't be here. So we want to thank you for attending the ceremony. Um, thank you for the support of this program. Thank you uh, to all your dedication, to all the employees who have uh, dedicated, essentially, a lot of their lives here. Um, and for your success and contributions and being a very important part of the success of this organization. Uh, there is a, uh, again, more photo opportunities, and I will let Supervisor Rodoni close us out. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to everyone for attending today. On behalf of President Moulton Peters and Supervisor Rice, I know they would have loved to have been here today to congratulate you all. But on their behalf, I do want to congratulate you all. And thank you for all the long time service. I'm trying to figure out where all those 35 year anniversary people are, but I, I know a couple of them. I might track them down. So, <laughs> But thank you all again. And I want to give uh, Supervisor Lucan and Supervisor Sackett a chance to make a comment. Uh, thank you, Supervisor Rodonius. Really just a, a quick thank you and congratulations to all of our employees uh, here in the, this room, those that are celebrating milestones, uh, whether it is one of those 20, 25, 30, 35, or even 40-year mark. It's really quite an accomplishment. Uh, when I think of county government, local government, you know, we, we don't manufacture things. We don't sell things. We, we provide a service, and we provide a service to people. We're in the people business. A lot of times we interact with members of the public, uh, maybe not on their best day. Uh, maybe it's a stressful day. Maybe it's, uh, maybe oftentimes it could be one of the hardest days of their lives uh, when we sometimes interact with members of our community. Uh, and I really hats off to all of our employees for providing the highest level of service to our community in those very difficult days, in those stressful days, and also in those good days. And uh, to have employees that have been doing this type of work for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, it really shows the dedication and commitment of our county organization, an organization I'm proud to be a part of and work with you and partner with you to continue to provide this service uh, ongoing. So thank you so much and congratulations. So as I look around this room, I just see that there's an immense amount of collective knowledge that is here that's frankly irreplaceable. You all have been through power shutoffs, fires, disasters, going from paper to electronic records to um, you know different computer systems, um, and through a health crisis. And you're still um, here and dedicated and we could not do anything that we do here without you showing up for work every day. Uh, and I just want to express my extreme appreciation and gratitude for your commitment to the county and thank you for serving our community. if you like, whatever you like in the chamber, and then I understand there may be photographs outside too. So thank you and enjoy the afternoon.
not in here.